Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. Well, if you guys um, can turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter 12, I'm not going to start reading it yet, but you can go ahead and get it ready. Um, We've been spending a long time talking about uh, the topic of God's version of the church because we want to understand how he perceives things because we can have a tendency to judge things according to our human wisdom and our perspective. How many of you guys know that it's a higher perspective to see how God sees something? Amen? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call on you guys right now. Please just go ahead and determine that you're going to fully engage and you're not going to let sleepiness or tiredness or anything like that um, dictate your engagement level, okay? Let's press in in the spirit, and I'm just going to plow. I have a lot to say, and I'm, I'm hoping I can accomplish this in one message because I, I want to do a, I want to spend some time doing a, re, a recap on the whole series. We, lately, we've been talking about the word oikos. What does oikos mean? Family. family. It means family, and we've been talking about how the church is God's family, and we've talked deeply on scriptures about God sees the church as his family, right? Uh, and, uh, and so <clears throat> we, we've been doing that, that topic for about three months, actually, but prior to that, um, I was teaching on Ecclesia and different aspects of it, and so it's been a while, and I want to do a recap so that we can tie it all together so that we're ready to launch into some new things coming up ahead that I am stoked about, and I hope you guys are going to get excited with me too. So I want to encourage you, as you're going to be hearing things that you've been hearing, um, don't, don't take the mentality of, oh, we've been hearing this already. Take the mentality more of, oh, come on, we're going to go deeper, and this is going to make it fresh all over again. Amen? So it's about remembrance. And so um, <clears throat> but I, I, want to, I want to read this note out of the Passion Translation that, uh, that defines the word ecclesia, because the word ecclesia is, is translated the word church, okay? And so Brian Simmons um, defined it like this. The Greek word for church is ecclesia and means legislative assembly or selected ones. This is not a religious term at all, but a political and governmental term that is used many times in classical Greek for a group of people who have been summoned together, sorry, summoned and gathered together. Everybody say summoned and gathered together to govern the affairs of a city. All right, so, so when the word ecclesia is pronounced, it's, 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 you got to understand that when God's talking about his church, we need to hear it as we're being summoned together. Okay, it's a summon together, right? And, and gather together, not just to do church services. That's what it looks like in the practical. But in the spiritual, you got to see that it's to govern the affairs of a city. Whoa, that's crazy. So for Jesus to use this term means that he is giving the keys of governmental authority in his kingdom to the church. All right? So when you think about the kingdom of God, it's the king's domain. He's literally giving the keys of the authority of his kingdom to the church. And that's powerful to know. And um, back in 2020, when we were having the, the lockdown, the government was saying, hey, don't leave your house. If you step outside the threshold of your door, you might just die. <laughs> you remember that? And people were like, what in the world's going on out there? And it was freaky. And we, did, we just didn't know. And, and it was kind of a scary time, and it created um, chaos. It created fear. It created confusion. Worldwide, it was pretty wild. 
And, and during that same stretch of time over that year, there was so much evil that was unleashed on the earth. There, there was um, massive campaigns to, to stir up racism and hatred, uh, people group against people group, political party against political party, and it became the most divisive time that I've ever seen and probably has ever happened at that level. And so there was violence, it, it, there's moments when people didn't even know, can I even go out in the city or, or maybe a mob is going to come after us, you know? And, and Christians even started wondering, are they going to start singling me out because of things I posted on Facebook and they're going to hunt me down? Like it just got crazy for a lot of people. Political chaos. Even churches got shut down for a period of time because of COVID. Some churches did not even outlast that and got closed down permanently crazy 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 and and so uh, but the, and then there's like this real fear of persecution and i even remember um Jessica and me um having to having to even process through some of that stuff because um it just it just looked like things could escalate at a level we've never seen before and it was just a wild time do you guys remember how nutty that year was you didn't like it either i'll bet and if you did <laughs> boy you're interesting. <laughs> but the Lord did good things during that time. It wasn't the, the world that was producing anything good, but God was doing good stuff. And, but in that season, I remember one day I was sitting at my desk at home, and I was, I was just praying and studying and stuff, and, and I, I was actually reading Revelation 12, and I, I, had, I had an encounter, and I saw a vision of... of this huge red dragon that was about as big as my entire neighborhood. And, and it was massive, and he was flying around, he'd stop places, and, and he was just looking around, trying to inspect things, but looking for um, things that he could devour, right? And, and in, this, in this vision, he actually came and landed right outside my window where my desk is, and I saw his face just come up and look at look in the window. I don't think he saw me. And, and I've shared this with you guys. I'm not saying that I think that really was happening out there, that there's truly this big thing out there. But, but the Lord was allowing me to get a glimpse of something that's real that I think that we don't think about often. And you probably shouldn't think about it often, just to be honest, because the devil really doesn't deserve too much of our attention. Amen. But, but in this vision, he, he looked like that uh, off the Hobbit, um, Smaug. Remember that big dragon on, on the Hobbit story? And, and so that's what I saw, and the Lord was just kind of giving me a glimpse of the person who's behind the chaos in the world. All right? Did you guys see that picture with me? So if you got your Bibles open to Revelation 12, I'm going to bust through things. I have a lot of things I want to bust through. I'm not going to go deep and heavy on any of it. I, this is more review, just to try to get us uh, reminded of things that we've been talking about so that we can we just freshly get on page, because we've got to know some things as we're going to move forward in this, in this journey of heaven coming through the ecclesia. All right? You guys ready? Got your seatbelts on? What about the other 40 or 70% of you in the room who didn't say anything? You guys good? All right. Revelation 12, I'm going to start with three, and I'm going to, I'm going to skip around a little bit because I don't have time to go on all of it right now, but uh, starting at verse three. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great and fiery red dragon, smog. That's what I saw. Having seven heads and ten hordes, horns and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven. And so, just so you know, and it says he threw them to the earth. That's, that's a third of the angels, all right? I don't know how many angels God created, but there was billions and probably trillions. We don't know. But a third of them got taken down to the earth with, with Satan, okay? All right. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. That child was Jesus Christ, okay? The, the, the dragon wanted to devour the child as soon as he was born. You guys remember the story of Herod 
wanting to kill all the three-year-old males and younger, right? Because he wanted to kill the Christ. All right, so this is actually the dragon was behind that. She bore a male child who was to rule all the nations with a, with a rod of iron. Why don't you guys say that Jesus rules all the nations? Okay, this is talking about Jesus. And, and it says her child was caught up to heaven and his throne. So we, we all know after Jesus died and resurrected, he also ascended and was seated back at the right hand of the Father again. So that's what that's talking about. Let's skip to verse 7. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail. Hallelujah. You guys say that with me. They did not prevail. So Satan did not win in heaven, all right? Nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out. Everybody say that. The dragon was cast out. Come on. That's awesome. That serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. Say, he deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Verse 10, then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. Say, say the kingdom has come. For the accuser of our brethren, let's say that, the accuser of our brethren, that's what Satan's called here, okay, he accused them before God day and night, but he's been cast down, verse 11, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Say that, we overcame him. This is talking about us. We over, let's say this, we overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of our testimony. And we will not love our lives to death. So this is talking about a people who are being persecuted and whatever, but overcoming Satan and every type of resistance that he would ever want to bring, the, the, the people of God actually can overcome that great red dragon. Come on, that's amazing. Because this is telling us that as powerful as he is, and he's so powerful, by the way, he's been able to, um, he's been able to, to deceive the entire world. Think about that. One person who's been able to deceive the entire world. That is phenomenal. There, there's some, almost 8 billion people on the earth right now, just presently. He's deceived the entire world. There's governments and cultures and subgroups that, that don't know the Lord, and he's deceived cultures and governments and subgroups. It's wild, but, it, but it's powerful. It's phenomenal. And he's done that for his, since the beginning of time, since the fall of Adam and Eve, deceiving the entire world. And, and so that's a powerful dragon, and yet still, we get to overcome him by the power of the blood of Jesus. Come on. That's amazing. By the power of the word of our testimony, we overcome Satan. And by not loving our lives to death, these people in the Bible, they knew that the, for the sake of Jesus Christ, they may get beheaded or stoned to death. And they didn't care because they knew they're living for eternity, not for right now. Are you? I hope we all are. But as John talked about the remembrance of the, of the blood of Christ, we need to have remembrances of, I'm all in, Jesus. You hear me? Okay, because there's no promises on that. Verse 12, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them, but woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. Skip down to verse 17, The dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring. Those who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. 
that's talking about the Christians. It's talking about the church. I want you guys to hear that. It's talking about the church. It says the great dragon has come to make war with the rest of the offspring of this woman because Jesus was the firstborn, right? But he's the firstborn of many brothers, okay? And so the rest of her offspring is talking about us. It's talking about Christians, but collectively it's talking about the church. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I, I want us to understand that the church is not this insignificant, man-made, religious institution that people like to call that and say this is, in, this is not a, a great thing. I'm talking about Christians who say these things, by the way. The, a, a degrading, uh, watered-down concept of the church. I want us to understand that the church is not small. The church is not weak. The church is not junk. The church is not a thing of the past. It is actually the greatest threat to Satan himself that exists. The church. Everybody say the church. The ecclesia. It's the arch enemy of Satan himself. The dude that's the great dragon that has deceived the entire world, who, who, who's called the God of this world, and the, he sets up the principalities and the powers in the air, and yes, they're powerful, and any person who's, who's not walking in the truth of Jesus Christ and in the community of the church is exposed and weak compared to Satan. I'm telling you the truth. And if a person is not living like that, they're a sitting duck, and he wants to come and eat their lunch, and he can. You hear me? Yeah. However, we know this, and this is what's really important, greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. So if you're walking in Jesus Christ, you have the power to even overcome that one who's deceived the whole world. That's amazing. And I want to tell you that we, we can walk around and, and we can just go through the emotions of life. And I know I'm a Christian and I, I do whatever I do to try to maintain my concept of me being a Christian. And, and, but, but we're kind of, we're just short-sighted and I'm just looking at how to go through this thing. And the Lord's like, hey, you need to open your eyes because there's something way bigger and way more, empower, more powerful going on than what you currently see. There, there's a dragon that, that's brought a whole entire world into bondage, and you have the power to set that thing free. <laughs> you hear me? We're the, we are Satan's arch enemy. He, 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 it's not just that he hates us, he's freaking scared. So Satan's strategies. He lost the war in heaven. Okay, in heaven they know that Satan is a big loser. He lost. He did not prevail, it says, and he was cast out. And a third of the angels, the ones who followed him, they got cast out with him. And so in heaven, where everything is already finished that God wanted, right? Everything that God ever intended, it's already finished in heaven. And Jesus died on the cross saying it is finished because he completed the finality of all things. Hallelujah. That's amazing. So in heaven, everything's finished and all truth is known in heaven. Guess what? There is no deception in heaven at all. Not even a hair of deception. There probably was a moment one time in history when deception happened, and that was when Lucifer was able to deceive one-third to somehow think he's better than Yahweh God. So somehow in one moment, he was able to deceive some, but God cast the deceiver out of heaven into the earth, and a third came down with him. And guess what? He purged heaven of all deception. Not one inkling of deception in heaven. So what that means is everything in heaven, every person in heaven has complete truth with no interference 
of any deception, lie, or falsity. That's incredible. So Satan has no power in a place that knows truth. And Jesus even said to us, if we know the truth, the truth will make us free. Come on. That's amazing, isn't it? So the deceiver's gone out of heaven, and Satan knows. I want you guys to hear this. He knows that he cannot win against the armies of God if they're walking in the truth of the kingdom. Hello. Knock, knock. You guys awake? Satan has no power anywhere where the truth is known and walked in. Satan deceives the whole world, it says. So the whole world is filled with people who do not know truth. All right? So he, he, he was cast out of heaven where there's no power to deceive. Now he's in the world amongst a lot of people who do not know all the things that Jesus has already accomplished. And so with people who do not understand truth or they're not living according to truth, it's different than in heaven. They're exposed to the ability to be deceived, the ability to be attacked, the ability to become bound by spiritual principalities and powers and bondages. So Satan's only hope of winning any war is against anyone who, do not, who does not know the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. <laughs> Don't miss keys from heaven that's coming at us today. Okay? There's a lot of sleepy eyes in the room. <laughs> I want to call you forth right now. Rise above how you're feeling. Satan's greatest weapons against Christians. <laughs> Satan's greatest weapons against Christians. Deception. It's to, it, he's the deceiver of the world, right? He's trying to get us to believe things that are not true. If we can believe things that are not true, then he can bring us into the realm where we're not free. So deceptions, he, he can't attack you outside of deceptions. And then, and then accusations, he'll try to accuse you. He's called the accuser of the brethren. And the accuser will try to tell you all about how wrong you are and try to weaken your sense of confidence. How many of you know our sense of confidence should not be in our successes, but in the success of Jesus on the cross? Amen. So Jesus died on the cross to impart a righteousness to you that you did not deserve. And so when the devil tries to accuse the brethren, he tries to belittle us and shrink us down from a, a, a true view of who we are, the way God sees us, where we have the fullness of Christ and the finished work of the cross, and, and the, the Lord has imparted righteousness into us. If he can get us to belittle our self-view then we're weakened from walking in the fullness of God. He can, he can deceive us and accuse us to try to weaken our abilities to, to conquer him. <laughs> These things are lies because what Jesus has done is canceled our faults. Hallelujah. That's the gospel. Amen. Yep. When you're seated, well, sorry, he, he was cast down from heaven and his accusations do not penetrate God's throne room any longer, right? Do you guys believe this? I'm about to have you guys stand up with me here in a minute. His lies carry no weight in heaven. But when you know that you're seated in Christ and that you have the finished work of the cross in your life, his lies should not be able to penetrate you either. Hallelujah. Satan's been defeated in heaven. 
And now God wants to see him get defeated right here on this earth through you. Stand up with me. We're not done. I'm just, get, I'm just helping you shift into the higher gear. I want you guys to declare this with me. God, you, you cast Satan out of heaven. And now, and, and, and sorry, <laughs> Satan did not prevail. What you've done in heaven, you want to do on the earth. What you did in heaven, you want to see us do on this earth. I engage with your kingdom. And I am a part of the church that where Satan will not be able to prevail. Amen. You can be seated. <laughs> That's just to get blood flowing. So one of Satan's biggest tactics, because he, he is, out, outside of Christ and in the, in the kingdom of God, he is the most powerful person out there, okay? And so, but, but we know in Christ, like, we get to tread on serpents. So it's not even like we're like 51, he's 49. In, like, if we're in and of ourselves, he's like 99, we're like one, all right? But, but in Christ, it's like we're a thousand and he's like not even a half a percent. Yeah. You, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like people are trying to conquer Satan on their own strength and it doesn't work. Okay? But one of Satan's greatest tactics to, to ensure his ability to continue his, his plan on this earth is to get rid of the enemy. He, he wants to get rid of the enemy. And, and who's the enemy? It's the church. So he wants to weaken the church. He's been working hard at it. He's been working hard at it actually for centuries and maybe even millennia. <laughs> He's been gaining ground, actually, I would say, even more so since 2020. I, I think he's got some breakthroughs in that in, in some ways with, with what I would, I guess you could consider the weak-minded. <laughs> okay. But, but so he wants to weaken the church, and so he'll get us, have, he'll start getting us questioning things about uh, our, our moral absolutes, really absolute. Our moral absolutes, really absolute, and he'll get us starting to question, well, maybe it's not. Maybe, maybe all these things that we've been taught for all these years that's black and white to God, maybe it's not. Maybe I can play around with such and such. And, and, and the more you can get us to weaken the, the, the firm foundations and the firm pillars of, of God's truth and, and get us to weaken it, the more we start losing our strength. We can start like... Maybe, maybe some of the concepts of the culture out there actually are okay, and I can start, maybe, we don't call it compromise, but God does. Compromising to other wisdom that's outside of God. Mixture, mixture weakens what's strong, okay? So, so the devil tries to get us to think that we can just choose our own path and what's right for me. It might not be right for you, but that's cool. You do what's right for you. You do you boo. And I, I do me. Okay? And, and so that's how Satan was able to lure Adam and Eve. Oh, what was a, what was a moral absolute? Maybe it's not such a big deal. Maybe this actually could be a good experience. And then all of a sudden... He has the entire human race in bondage. So the, he tries to weaken the church, though. He's trying to do that with culture right now, getting people like, I'm Christian, but, uh, you know, this other thing's not so bad after all. It, it, we'll be okay with that. Just let's not even focus on it. That's what he's doing. He's trying to actually create concepts where people are letting go of things that to God have always been solid yeses and solid noes. Either the kingdom is in something or it's not. It's not like, well, I guess I'll start loosening up and bringing my kingdom blessing and these things that I used to actually call demonic. No, he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. 
So the devil is trying to sow things, and, and he, he wants to bring division to the church. He wants to, he wants to create um, polar opposite people who, you know, we are us, and you're you, and we don't like you because such and such, or you hurt me, and I can't get over this. I need to get away from you to self-protect, or whatever it is, but creating rifts in this thing that God designed to be unified, a big, happy family. Doesn't mean there's not hardship that we have to walk through, but there's right ways to deal with conflict and there's wrong ways. And the devil will try to get us to either avoid conflict or to bring, um, like bring war to conflict. And the Lord's actually trying to come to heal hearts. He'll bring division. He'll, bring, he'll, he'll cause people to lose their value for the church. And before you know it, people start thinking, ah, it's probably not such a big deal if I come or not. You know, you miss one, that's fine, I get it. But, but you start missing a few, and then you start getting so comfortable, it's like, I don't even know if, like, I'll, I'll just come when it feels comfy. Oh, really? So when did Jesus Christ, when he said, if you want to follow me, take up your cross? and die daily, and follow me? When did he ever offer us the comfy option? <laughs> you guys hearing me? I'm not saying there's never legitimate reasons to miss church. My point is not that. My point is, what's, what's going on in the heart? What's going on in the, the part where, where we're either choosing to lock hold on the things that are valuable to God or, or diminishing the value to where I'm becoming too lax about the things that God cherishes as treasure and needs to be protected? You guys hear my heart? It's not just about church attendance. It's actually about all things about this Christian life that we have. <laughs> okay? So, but the enemy, my point is, like, like when people, people don't realize this. When people start um, rationalizing my reasons to disengage with things that I once knew was God's absolute needed thing, I start loosening on that. Guess what? You might not realize it, but that seven-headed dragon is behind that thing that didn't feel like a big deal. Are you hearing me? He's, he's trying to deceive people into swaying away from the thing that is, should be front and center in this walk with Christ. He's behind it. He's trying to deceive. He's trying to accuse. He, he wants to get people to loosen their beliefs about absolute truths, and he wants to get people to start feeling condemnation and shame when the Lord wants us to get clean and rise up and be powerful instead. So anything he can do to weaken the church, he will do it because it's his arch enemy. And he knows that if the church knows who we really are and lives accordingly, we are the most powerful force that this world has ever seen. You read the book of Acts, and that is a powerful, powerful entity on this earth. And guess what? That was when the church was tiny. So that actually was nothing compared to what God really intends to bring into this earth through his church. It's powerful. It's powerful, powerful, powerful. We need to understand the kingdom perspective of the church. Okay, we're, we're Satan's arch enemy because we're his greatest threat. But w when we're walking mighty, and we haven't seen the mighty yet that I'm talking about, but it's in us and he's calling it forth. When we walk in these things and we're growing in these things, guess what? Principalities in regions and territories, they, their strength gets diminished Hallelujah. It's amazing. And that, like this story in Revelation 12, it's a prophetic imagery of what's going on in the world. 
And it, like, it can look scary if you don't get God's spirit in this thing. The great dragon. Oh, let me be scared of the great dragon. Oh, really? No, the great dragon's scared of me. When I'm walking in the revelation of the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony, and I've chosen to give my all to the Lord, even willing to die for Him, there's nothing the devil can hold over my head. But you know what's amazing? God did not intend us to do this on our own. He'd never intended for us to walk that kind of life on this earth on my own in Christ. That's why He created the church. The church, all right? So we got to flip over to Matthew 16 and, and see what he's talking about here in the church because we are the greatest threat to Satan ever. And I want to bust through some thoughts here. My, my goal today is just to recalibrate us, is to remind us of things that we've, we've gone deep on for the last many months. I actually started this Ecclesia series way back at the end of May on Pentecost Sunday. And, and we're not done. You know why? Because the church has no clue who she is, and we've got to discover this. <laughs> oh, man. Help me, Lord. All right, I'm going to dive in here. Verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, and one of the prophets, or one of the prophets. He said to him, to them, who do you say I am? Simon Peter, where am I at? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. I want you guys to declare that with me to Jesus. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to them, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And we, we spent weeks on this stuff, and I broke down every single part and went deep on it. And the reason is because we need to know the full depth of the capacity, the power, and the kingdom truths in this passage. Isn't that crazy? I spent, I, spent, I think, four months on three verses. <laughs> it's powerful. I'm just going to bust through some thoughts. The, uh, Richard and Pam Benjamin had me come over to their house the other day, and they showed me a, a, a video that they recorded of Lance Wallnow. And guess what? I think Lance must have been listening to my sermon series because he preached the same thing. Hopefully that gives you some confirmation that this is real, right? God's talking about this stuff. The, Jesus, uh, he, he was looking not for people who could just pronounce him as a, an anointed man, but to actually recognize by the Spirit of God who he really is, an encounter to be able to see Jesus past the flesh, the Son of the living God, the anointed one. And so to be able to actually have a spirit-to-spirit -spirit engagement with who Jesus is, he says, I will build my church on that revelation. That's crazy amazing. Because we can spend so much time focusing on, well, this church or this stuff in the church, I, I don't like it. And, and people, they're, they're focused on so many things that they're trying to critique. Is it a good church or not? Or am I having a good experience? Or am I not? And, and people are so focused on the the human side of it, that they're missing what this really is about, which is the, re the revealing of Christ through his people. My stomach's growling. It's because my spirit's hungry. 
But Jesus, he says, on this rock, I will build my church. On this revelation, I'm going to build my church. And the, the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And there's so much stuff in there that we've, that we've been talking about. But God knows what's inside his people more than we do who are looking at it from the flesh level. And God's trying to get us to be a people who see one another and his church from the spirit level because when we see that, we're going to see something that's so powerful that even hell itself cannot shake it. The hell, it's, it's even better than hell can't shake it. It's that it crushes hell. Because when he's saying the gates of Hades will not prevail against my church, who's walking in the revelation of who I am. We don't get to judge God's church and, and, and criticize it and say, well, that is not really the church. How do you know? How do you know? Like, we don't, get, we don't have the right to dictate if something is his church or not. Okay, Jesus is looking for people who have a true re revelation of the very basic thing of who he is. Like most churches that, that proclaim Christ, whether you think it seems anointed or not, actually down at the core really does have a true understanding that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He's got his church. Do you hear me? And, and he, says, he says, upon this revelation, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades cannot prevail against it. When people are united together and we're centered around the very basic and most fundamental thing about Christianity, I can agree with you that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. We got unity. He's got his church. And guess what? In that, if we, if we don't get distracted on all the other less important stuff that most religious Christians do and call that the church, that's not the church. The man-made stuff that gets built on. That's not the church. The spirit of, the, of the, the communion of the spirits of the hearts of the people coming together centered on Christ. That's the church. And if we can stay knitted together at that level, Satan, that big seven-headed red dragon who's deceived the entire world, and is the, he's the accuser of our brethren. And he, he came to kill, steal, and destroy. And he's raping and pillaging an entire earth. And he's got billions of people in bondage. He can't prevail against that, even if you've just got a few people together. That's more powerful by far than him. What would be my goal in even talking about this stuff so heavily? Because I want us to understand that you are more powerful than you ever thought you were, and so are we as the church, more powerful than we ever thought. And if we don't start acting like it, we're just letting that dragon just swoop over us and all around us and do the things he wants to do because we're not paying attention to the real thing. And Jesus put us here so that we can be the church and that the gates of Hades cannot prevail. And the gates of Hades, I used to read that and I thought, well, that means that Satan's going to try to attack the, the church, and, but, but God's promised he's not going to win. But that's actually the opposite of what this picture really is because gates are, are not offensive weapons. They're defensive structures. So gates are meant to be a shield to protect from an enemy coming at it and overtaken. Okay? So, so actually, it's not talking about Satan won't win when he attacks you. Like, yeah, that's true, but it's even better than that. It's, he's actually saying the church is going to be the one who's doing the attacking, and the church is the one who's going to crush through his gates, which means that he thought that was his territory out there, his dominions, his domains, and, and the kingdom of God is coming in to this earth through the church, and it's going to continue expanding, and it's going to keep going into the places that once were held under captivity by Satan, and he, he can't prevail. He's going to lose ground. 
We're going to expand the kingdom. We're going to crush the gates, and then we're going to come in, and then guess what you get to do? You get to bring the keys of the kingdom of heaven with you, and we get to unlock heaven to flow into the earth where it wasn't before. We get to bring the powers of heaven onto the earth that used to be under the domains of Satan. That what used to be the domains of Satan becomes domain of the king, the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You guys get in the picture. <laughs> he used to, he, he was called the God of this world with a lowercase g because Adam and Eve yielded that to him. And, and Satan actually had rulership that was yielded to him. But Jesus came to take all the keys of death and Hades back and to, and to restore the, the domain of the kingdom of God on this earth. And the Bible says that Jesus has been seated at the right hand of the Father waiting for his enemies to become his footstool. What in the world does a footstool do? Oh, well, it props feet up. Where is it? It's under the feet. It's under the feet. It, it's, it's, it's conquered. It's completely destroyed, and it becomes a resting place for the feet of Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You guys hear me? I want to I speak to something I heard you say the other day, too. Because Jesus, Jesus is, he, when he said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail, he wasn't saying, well, I'm glad you see who I am and I hope I'm going to be able to get a church out of this. <laughs> he didn't say that. He, he didn't say... Now you know who I am. I hope you can build me a church. No, he, he said, I will build my church. I will build my church. He didn't say, I might be able to get a church. I will. It's definitive. And it didn't happen yet. It's future tense. It, ha it came on Pentecost, but I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not prevail. The gates of Hades will not. It wasn't, I hope that they don't prevail. No, they will not. And here's the deal. The, the, the context is the church. It's not a bunch of individual lone ranger, I'm going to do this on my own context. It doesn't work that way. That's dangerous. I'm scared for people who think I don't need the church, but I'm going to go try to take dominions. No, no, this promise is there's covering and security and shelter within the family, the church. That's how he doesn't do it by the individual. He does it by the unified body of Christ. All right? There's plenty more scriptures to go on that some other time. But, but I want you guys to picture this. Like he's actually, like when he's talking about getting his church, he's not just saying, I, I just want to be able to have a new religion on this earth. There's, there's, you know, old Buddha over there and a couple of countries over. Let me get my version of that. No. No, he, he's talking about building a family who's going to bring the kingdom of God to this earth and, and take this globe back. Yeah. The way that he gave it to Adam and Eve, I'm taking it back. Mm -hmm. and, and like it's not even like a, a wrestling match with the devil. He actually booted Satan out of heaven, not a problem, to the earth, not so it could create a problem that maybe it'll be a wrestling match. No, he did it because he knew that the church is going to also continue humbling Satan, humiliating Satan. He, 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 wanted, he wanted to now give the church the ability to do what he did in heaven that happens on the earth now. Please, take this in. And, and I, I, wanted to, I wanted to speak to a verse that, Nancy, you brought up the other day in prayer, because uh, this is powerful. <clears throat> In Matthew eleven twelve, Jesus said this. He said, from the days of John the Baptist until now, 
the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. And and I, I always was I used to be confused on the wording of that because it just sounds weird. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. What in the world? And I, I didn't understand. I, it almost sounds like like the, the there's this violence that's happening that's causing me to suffer, but we're gonna we're gonna take it by force. Whatever it. I want to say that the word suffers violence is actually, in my opinion, not a great translation of what it actually means. Because that word suffers violence in the Greek, it it doesn't mean that you're suffering from violence as if somebody else is inflicting violence. It's it's a it's a the word biazo in the Greek, and it's a proactive word. It's not a it's not a I'm receiving something, it's a I'm causing something. All right, biazo. We're not suffering violence. That it's 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 interpreted kind of bad. It's a proactive word. It's the it's about the the you are the one who's causing the violence. It means to inflict violence. The the word suffer shouldn't even be on it, except maybe whoever's receiving that violence that you're inflicting. But it it's actually saying that the kingdom of God suffers violence. It actually means the kingdom of God is inflicting violence, okay? And the violent take it by force. So in other words, we're on the offense, not on the defense. When Jesus says the gates of Hades will not be able to prevail, the, the gates are a defensive structure to protect from an offense. And it's saying it can't prevail why would he need to say that? Because we are bringing the offense. And guess what? We win. <laughs> this is powerful. And then it says take it by force. The Greek word for take it by force is harpazo. And it literally means to seize upon with force, to rob, to snatch away, to take the spoils. And it's different than another Greek word, klepto, which means to secretly steal something. Like a thief? No, this is, this is more like a mob coming in and crushing an enemy and then spoiling everything they have. Taking the, taking the spoils. Okay? So, in other words, when Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force, what that actually means is the kingdom of heaven is inflicting violence and the violent people forcefully seize the spoils of the enemy. And then we expand territory. Take ground. All right, you guys hearing me? Uh, It's powerful. And what the Lord is showing us is that he actually, he actually put his church right here so that, so that we can host heaven and, and then we can increase heaven and the kingdom of heaven on this earth and continue increasing it, expanding it. It continues to grow outward. And, you know, when, when it's growing outward in a place as other kingdoms, it's got to overtake those kingdoms. So when there's resistance from the armies of those principalities and they've got their gate and their wall in the spirit realm up, he's saying that will not be able to prevail against the advancement of my kingdom through my church. (laughs) This is a powerful word, guys. Everybody say this. I'm on the offense. I'm not on the defense. And God always wins. And God's going to crush Satan. And he needs me to do it. I can't do it solo. I've got to do it in union with the church as we're centered around Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Say this, there are principalities and powers and dominions. But Jesus was lifted above all. And he's put all of them under his feet. And I'm part of the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is the church. And he's put the, the kingdoms of the world under our feet. That's the end of, of Ephesians 1, just if you need context on that. Powerful. 
I, I, I'm going to close. I, I want you guys just to know that I'm trying to recap on this stuff because we have to understand, like, we, we've spent a lot of time uh, recently talking about the church in the, in the form of the community. And, and then before that, which is what I just wanted to remind us of, talking about the church and its mission, okay? So there's mission and there's community. There's army and family. And it's not one or the other. It's both and. And we need to understand who we are as the church, the ecclesia, because God sees us as his, his kingdom carriers, the kingdom bearers, the authority of heaven and the power of heaven to overcome and overtake the territories of Satan. He's powerful outside of Christ. But when we're in Christ, greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. And when we can understand that God literally sees the church, he didn't say, I hope you'll be able to win against the devil. He said the gates of Hades will not prevail. Amen. It's a promise. It doesn't mean that, you know, you, you don't ever have problems being it's just done. And I'm learning this. Like if we want to take this area, you know, to see the kingdom come, it, it, it didn't happen in, our, in the five years so far. It's little by little, but, but it, it takes persistence, and the Lord gains ground in the spirit realm, and we just got to keep going after it, and, and the Lord continues to disarm enemies, and he continues to bring his kingdom, and the more that we can go after this, the more that he, the kingdom gets manifested in our midst. But if you don't know who you are, and you don't know how God views the church, you'll miss it, Sitting in a pew. You guys hear me? And next Sunday when we come to church, you know, I, I don't I, I hope that we come with a heightened understanding of who we are when we come together. We're not just doing church. We're we're the family coming together for a healthy kingdom community, but we're also the power of heaven coming together that that crushes through anything that gets in the way that's demonic or from this earth. It's powerful. If you see it that way, you start experiencing the power and the victory show up. And the Lord's trying to enhance our understanding of these things. You remember how I said earlier, the only way the devil wins against Christians is for us to not know the truth. Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. The more we understand and engage by faith and commitment, the more the power comes and shows up. We're going to see things shift. I believe it. There's, there's the, I keep hearing people quote the prophecy, the year of the open door. That's awesome. Jesus opened the door 2,000 years ago, by the way. He's not, it's not just that, but, but the, I think if they're, if they're declaring that, the year of the open door, God's saying that, it's not, I don't believe it's because the door hasn't already been opened. He is the door. He opens the heavens, and, and what, what God opens, no man can close. But, but he brings us into our awareness, and sometimes he does that progressively in seasons, to see something so that we can step through things that we might not have been ready for or able to see yet. I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to say anything on that prophecy, but my point is this is kingdom truth. It's eternal. It didn't, it doesn't just start now. It's always been, but we get to choose. Am I going to see it and engage with it? And I believe this year we're going to see exponential increase and in momentum. You guys with me on that? Why don't you stand so I can get you out of here? <clears throat> By the way, I've noticed that people like to hang out afterwards and connect and build koinonia. Stop that. I'm just joking. That's what we're looking for, guys. It's amazing. It's been amazing to, to see people really connecting and stuff, and that's what we want. So, God, I thank you that you are powerful. I thank you, Lord, that you actually 
have determined that we are powerful. And we are. And, and even Satan knows it. He wants to do everything he can to cause us to not believe it. He's a liar. <laughs> if the devil is lying to us about something that makes us feel less than we are, that means he's wrong, and therefore we are. We are great. Amen. The church is mighty. Lord, your church is mighty. You've built your church. Lord, the gates of Hades shall not prevail. I, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will open spiritual eyes to all of us to be able to see the truth of the kingdom of God, the truth of who you know your church is. Let us not be people who, who miss what you're showing us or miss what you know. Let us not be people who don't turn our face towards what you're looking at. Let us not be people who, who uh, ignore it or stay deceived. Show us the truth. Your church is mighty. You need us. Thank you, Lord. Bless everybody today. In Jesus' name, amen.